Welcome to the very first episode of the East Bidwell Podcast. We are so excited to have you listening to us. Today on the show, we have New York Times bestselling author Paul Tuff, who will be talking to us about the steps we can take to cope with failure and the things we need to know moving forward. Before we get into that, let's take a second to talk about what this podcast is all about. My name is Vinny Sesh, and I started off as a horrible high school student. I was unaware of what success meant and could not figure out how other students excelled in the classroom. Over the next decade, I was fortunate enough to have friends, mentors, and fellow students help me understand how they succeeded in the classroom, and more importantly, in life. They taught me skills like grit, coping with failure, and the structure required for lifelong learning. Our goal for this podcast is to create a resource that can help to teach these same principles to a wider audience. We're going to be talking about the real steps you can take to succeed in the workplace or as a student, and we'll be bringing on guests with experience in a variety of fields. Some of the things we hope to address are how to deal with those entry-level positions that want three to five years experience, going against the grain when we need to, and learning from our previous mistakes. Without further ado, we'd like to welcome our very first guest, Paul Tuff. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. So we wanted to start with how, how did you get here? How did you get interested in the field of poverty and helping children succeed? The uh, first reporting that I did in this realm was started about 13 years ago when I uh, started working on a, my first book, which is called Whatever It Takes and was about um, Jeffrey Canada, a man named Jeffrey Canada and his organization, the Harlem Children's Zone. Um, and when I met him in 2003, I, I thought I was just going to write a quick magazine article on him, and then that turned into a book that took me about five years to complete. Um, and I just have continued to be really um, interested in this topic of, of the lives of kids who are growing up in adversity, why it is that they often struggle in school and in life, and what kind of supports and interventions can better help them to do well. Um, I'm interested in it, I think, for two reasons. One is it, it, in terms of the challenges that are facing us as a country, um, it, it really seems like the big one, uh, the fact that we don't really have equality of opportunity right now. There are kids uh, who, just because of uh, where they're born uh, and what their families uh, income and wealth is uh, are, are faced with this real disadvantage right from birth. Um, and then I, I also just find it to be a, a, a fascinating question. It's taken me in lots of different directions in, in you know, sociology and psychology and um, uh, neuroscience and economics. I feel like trying to, to really understand the nature of this question uh, helps, uh, helps us, helps me understand a lot about who we are as people as well. Fantastic. So you've had a lot of tremendous success in your life. Is there some event that shaped how you act today, how you became the person you are today that was on the side of failing in something that you really wanted? Um, sure. I mean, I think, I think there are lots, lots of moments like that. I think um, a big one for me was my experience in college, uh, which I wrote about a little bit in How Children Succeed. Got into Columbia University, came down to New York, a place where I didn't know anybody, um, and uh, had, you know, sort of a, 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 an alienating first few months in college. Uh, and I, I ended up dropping out and um, uh, bicycling, uh, getting a, a touring bike and bicycling from uh, Atlanta to uh, Halifax over the course of what would have been my second semester of freshman year. Uh, and what I wrote about in How Children Succeed is that I think what I really needed at that point in my life when I was an 18-year-old uh, teenager 
was a real challenge, you know, was something that would really um, push me, and, 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 uh, and school just didn't feel that way. Um, so in some ways, it's an unusual dropout story, uh, because it was, you know, I, I feel like I was dropping out because I was looking for more challenges. Um, but, but I think it was the, 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 the sort of failures that I had on that trip, and there were many of them, uh, helped to shape who I became. You've worked with a lot of prominent researchers. What are those skills and traits that do help children succeed? Um, it seems like there's this whole um, suite of non, what, what are sometimes called non-cognitive capacities. Um, things like grit and resilience, uh, perseverance, curiosity, conscientiousness, self-control. Uh, and in my last two books, How Children Succeed and Now Helping Children Succeed, uh, I've drawn a lot on the research in psychology and neuroscience that try to, tries to track where those um, personality traits, those character strengths, those behaviors tend to come from. Uh, and w- one of the big debates that I write about, especially in this new book, Helping Children Succeed, is what exactly these qualities are, whether they are personality traits or they're skills that you can learn. And if they are skills that you can learn, uh, where, where do they come from? Fantastic. So if we can talk about failure a little bit, you talk about it a lot in your books and and we really love the subject. What is the power of failure? How can that help people in the future, even though today it may seem like something very difficult? Well, I mean, I think think the the important thing to say at the beginning about failure is that I don't think that it's failure itself that is a positive experience in children's lives. Uh, But I think that the experience of failing at something, as we all do in childhood and after childhood, and then getting the right, but doing it in the right kind of context, with the right kind of support and right sort of messages from the adults around you, um, creates this, what what psychologists call a a growth mindset in children. Um, The growth mindset is the idea that uh, came from the psychologist at Stanford named Carol Dweck. Um, And what she identified was that there are some kids, some people who believe that their intelligence is basically malleable, that they can learn through struggle. And there are others who think that intelligence is basically fixed, and you either are smart or you're dumb, and there's nothing you can do to change that. And the experience, uh, and and, and what she found is that kids who have a growth mindset who believe that they can change and that their brains can grow um, tend to take on more challenges and tend to do better in school and in life. And she talks about different sort of messages that we can give students and kids to help them believe in that growth mindset idea. But I think the best way to develop it is to actually experience it, to actually experience uh, uh, growth through failure, to experience having taking on a challenge that you don't think you can do, uh, having some setbacks along the way, and then persevering through it. So a failure on its own, I don't think is necessarily a great learning experience. A failure that is framed uh, well for a child by the adults around him and by the context that he's in, um, where he gets the message that this isn't a a judgment on his um, inherent worth as a person, but instead is a a moment in a a path along a journey, um, a temporary setback that he can come back from. When kids get that message and when they experience that coming back from setbacks, bouncing back from failures, um, it, uh, I think, affects them really deeply and makes them believe that they can persevere at other things, they can overcome other challenges in the future. Awesome. So if you're speaking to a young person who's in a stressful environment right now, is there any kind of strategy you could give them that would help them prepare for the future? Sure. Um, I'll just say one thing before that, which is that a lot of what I'm trying to say in helping children succeed is that, well, it's absolutely true that we can can think about the right kind of messages to give kids. 
uh, I want to try to take some of the pressure off the children um, and, and focus it instead on the adults surrounding them. So instead of just sort of finding the right kind of um, motivational methods to give kids who are uh, living in adversity, I think we need to do more to change the whole context around them. But that said, uh, I, I think that the, the message that, that makes a difference for kids, and this is something I say to my you know, six-year-old son all the time, but I also think, you know, when I'm having conversations with um, kids who are growing up in adversity, I try to say the same thing, um, is these sort of growth mindset ideas, is to think about um, um, setbacks as something that you can learn from and believe that you can change. Um, what, what I think a lot of psychologists point out is that that message alone isn't enough, that kids also need strategies to figure out how to change, how to get better. I think especially for kids who are growing up in low-resource environments at schools that don't have a lot of resources, um, where they, you know, they're academically behind, there's a, there's a risk that these messages can be just sort of empty, you know, that we can just say, oh, you can do anything you believe in, just put your mind to it and you can succeed. Um, and that, that uh, I don't think is successful uh, on its own at helping kids succeed. So we need to first convince them that, that change is possible, second, make them motivated to want to change, and then third, give them some actual strategies of here's what you could do differently, here, here are habits and tactics and strategies that you can use uh, to overcome the difficulties that you're facing. Fantastic. I think that's great advice because the, the people around these children can do so much to, to help them in the future. So if you're speaking to a young person now who just failed a big test, you talked about learning from the failure. What can they do after they failed that test to be better prepared for the future? Well, I, I think our temptation when, when we fail something like a test is, is, well, I think there are two temptations. One is to just sort of laugh it off and say, ah, oh, who cares? It doesn't really matter. And the other is to just, you know, wallow in the, the uh, shame of the failure and think, you know, I'm a terrible person. And, and I think that the, the moment that failures become more useful to you is when you're able to divorce yourself from them a little bit, to look at them objectively, which is obviously a really hard thing to do with one's own failures. Sometimes it takes a couple of days to get over the, the you know, emotional shock. But rather than put that, that failed test aside and never look at it again and say, you know, uh, that's not me, instead, look at it really carefully. Look at the mistakes that you made um, and focus on those mistakes. Try to figure out exactly what you did wrong. Um, and I think that's true. So the person I learned this from more than anyone in my reporting for How Children Succeed was uh, a woman named Elizabeth Spiegel, who is a chess coach at a um, public school in Brooklyn called IS, Intermediate School 318. And she's a fantastic chess coach. They have a great chess team that regularly wins middle school chess championships at national tournaments. Um, and what she does to help motivate and train her students is after each game, they have to then sit down with her and replay the whole game move by move and analyze their moves, uh, including their mistakes, um, incredibly carefully. And what she points out, and what I think any, any good coach knows, is that this is the hardest thing to do. You know, when you're, when you're a tennis player, when you are a musician, um, it, it always feels better to work on the things, you know, to practice the things you're good at, because it's a nice feeling, feeling like, you know, you're doing something you're good at. But the real experts, the, the people who, who uh, flourish in any of those um, endeavors are the ones who can figure out what they're worst at, what they're really failing at, where they're making their mistakes, and then practice that over and over again. So I think students need to figure out how to do that as well with tests, to look at the test, say, this is the, sub this is the kind of question, this is the subject where I made the most mistakes, where I didn't know the material, and I want to go back over that. And it, despite the fact that it's uncomfortable, despite the fact that these are the questions I can't stand, um, 
put yourself in that uncomfortable uh, situation. Um, and, and so I think what, what we can do as adults uh, surrounding these kids is one, encourage them to, to take that difficult path. But the other, give them the sort of emotional and psychological context where that feels okay. Um, if, if you're telling a kid that failures are this you know, black mark on them that they can't recover from, they're definitely not going to want to dwell on that moment of failure and analyze it and try to learn from it. If instead we tell, give them the message that those are the moments where you're learning most, um, most productively, uh, where you know, failures are these learning opportunities, if, if we can really help kids believe that, they're going to be much more likely to do that kind of self-analysis that helps kids uh, grow and succeed. Fantastic. So some of our audience may be listening in and, and thinking about character traits and saying, yeah, that, that sounds like the right thing, but how do I do it? So is there, is there something they can look to to learn how to teach these traits? Well, I, I think the message that I'm trying to convey in, in my new book, Helping Children Succeed, is that thinking about um, helping children develop these qualities as, as like a teaching process um, where we just teach kids to be gritty or perseverant uh, is the wrong framework, the wrong model to use, that, that really these are not skills like math skills or reading skills that we can have the right kind of curriculum or textbook or pedagogy uh, and just teach kids how to be more gritty. We, it would be great if that was the case, um, but there's no evidence that, that that is the case. And instead, children develop these habits, these tendencies, these qualities, these capacities by being in the sort of context that encourages that. And so that starts in early childhood. Um, you know, I write in Helping Children Succeed about the neuroscience research that shows that when kids are in a uh, warm, responsive, stable home environment, they're more likely to develop the kind of um, uh, building blocks, psychological building blocks that, that turn into perseverance and resilience. And then in the classroom as well, when kids feel uh, a sense of belonging and connection, when they feel like they're doing work that is challenging and meaningful, but they hear the, the message around failure that it is um, a stepping stone on the path to success rather than a, a permanent judgment, all of those contextual things, all, the, all of those environmental forces, all of those messages that kids hear, that is what creates in them these capacities, these, these character strengths. Um, so it's a different approach than just teaching. And I think for a lot of, of teachers and parents, there's something a little bit frustrating about that because it's easier to just think, well, there's just this app, this book, this poster that we can give kids uh, and they're going to suddenly become gritty and, and perseverant. Um, but the reality is uh, that it doesn't work that way, that kids behave in perseverant ways when we create a context for them um, that makes them want to persevere and makes them able to persevere. Awesome. It sounds like the new book is is covering things that weren't covered in How Children Succeed. How Children Succeed was more about what the problem is, and Helping Children Succeed is how to start making the right actions to, to get into it. So can you dive deeper into Helping Children Succeed? What are we going to learn fully from this book, and, and how is it going to help us move towards the future? Sure. So Helping Children Succeed is, is focused specifically uh, on kids who are growing up in adversity, what growing up in adversity uh, does to kids. Um, to make it difficult for them, to make it more challenging for them to succeed in school and outside of school, and what kind of interventions, uh, both in the home and at school, are more likely to uh, create the environment where those kids are going to succeed. And so the kind of interventions that I talk about um, uh, start in early childhood. There are some great interventions that work directly with parents, with uh, 
parents who are living in poverty uh, and have all the stresses that go along with poverty. Um, and these home visiting programs are uh, really supportive in trying to help parents change the environment uh, that they're creating in the home. Um, and that that model of sort of changing the environment is one that runs through a lot of the different interventions that I write about in helping children succeed. There are um, interventions that work with uh, child care workers and preschool teachers uh, to help create environments in, in child care centers and in preschool classrooms that, again, are more stable, are more responsive, uh, are more um, calming for kids, de-escalating uh, confrontations rather than escalating them. Uh, and those are all, I think, really hard things for teachers to do, uh, especially with you know high-energy uh, three- and four-year-olds. But when, um, when parents and teachers, educators get the right kind of support and coaching from the right kind of people, uh, they really are able to change their approach and change the way they feel about the kids they're raising and they're uh, educating, um, and that makes a big difference in terms of how the children do. So that's in early childhood. Um, in later childhood, I talk a lot about um, a number of um, intervention support school models that work with these two toolboxes that, that I've identified um, to, to help create an environment in the classroom that is most motivating for kids, most likely to make them want to want to persevere and be able to persevere. One toolbox has to do with uh, relationships, with creating a, a sense for children that they belong in that classroom, they belong in that academic community, uh, that they're connected to the other students in their classroom and to their uh, teachers as well. And that is something that a lot of the way that we organize our schools and our classrooms, especially for kids uh, in poverty, um, works against rather than works for. Um, there's a lot about the way we discipline kids, about the way we reward kids uh, that doesn't make them feel connected and related at school, that makes them feel alienated from school. Um, and then the the other toolbox that I read about in the classroom is has to do with work and challenge. Um, things that I've learned that I hadn't really understood before is that in a lot of American classrooms, and especially American classrooms uh, that are educating kids in poverty, there's a lot about the way that um, the way that we teach, the way that we assign homework, the way that we assess kids, that is just sort of repetitive and boring. We focus a lot on basic skills. We tend to teach by worksheets and sort of repeating until you get something exactly right. And what psychologists are explaining to us is that that's actually exactly the wrong way to motivate kids, that kids are motivated by challenge and novelty. Um, they're motivated by uh, working on long-term projects, by working together in groups, by um, pushing themselves, by actually having more rigor, more challenge in their day. Um, and so when schools are organized that way to give kids really um, challenging, rigorous, meaningful, hard work, um, it not only helps them do better academically and intellectually, it also helps them in this non-cognitive dimension. They feel uh, that, that experience of pushing themselves, of trying things they didn't think that they could do and succeeding at them. And when we can create that kind of context in our classrooms and in our schools, um, children who are growing up in adversity are much more likely to feel motivated and much more likely to succeed. That sounds incredible. That sounds absolutely incredible. Where can we find the new book and how can we get in contact with you or learn more about you in the next few weeks or months? Well, the book's available on Amazon and bookstores everywhere, Helping Children Succeed. But I also have a website um, at paultough.com. That's P-A-U-L-T-O-U-G-H.com. And on that website, uh, there is now a web version of the book, Helping Children Succeed, that includes um, not only the text of the book, but also 
videos and links and footnotes and charts and graphs uh, that helps give uh, readers a lot more um, points of connection with this material. And I, my hope is that this, this material is useful to, uh, to parents, to teachers, to educators all over the place. Um, and so my, my uh, goal in putting all that material out there is to make it as accessible as possible to the potential audience. Paul, it has been so great to interview you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We can't wait to get this out to our audience, and we think it's going to be so valuable going into the future. Thank you again for joining us. Great. Thanks so much. Talk to you later. What a fantastic first interview. We hope to have Paul back sometime soon. Moving forward now, on this podcast, we want to try and sprinkle in some motivation, and one of the best ways to do that is by repeating things that other people have said. For today's episode, we wanted to use a quote by Pablo Picasso that goes something like this. Learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. We believe in this quote because we see it repeating itself in everything we do, be it athletics or music or school. It takes years to learn the fundamentals of the craft and the rules associated with it. Once we get to that point, however, we start to see different ways in which we can bend those rules to be able to express ourselves artistically. Probably the best example of this is a golfer out on the course. It takes them years to learn how to play the game, but once they're at the professional level, you see them hitting all kinds of crazy shots around trees, over lakes, under the stands, and so on and so on and so on. This really speaks to what Picasso was talking about because they have to understand how the game is played to be able to manipulate the rules in their favor. So our quote of the episode, one more time, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. That about wraps it up for this episode. But before signing off, there are some people we need to thank for making this happen. First of all, we need to thank the artist Flick Flack for letting us use his music as our intro and background. We also, of course, need to thank our guest Paul Tuff for sharing his expertise and knowledge with us. Next up, we need to take a second to thank all of our friends and contributors on the team for their help in terms of making sure we covered everything we wanted to. Finally, we need to thank you for listening in and sticking with us through this entire episode. We're just starting out, so I promise we're going to get better. If you have thoughts on the show or have feedback on how we can get better, we'd love to hear it. You can email us at podcast at eastbidwell.com, find us online at eastbidwell.com, or message us at facebook.com slash eastbidwell, and we promise to get back to you as soon as possible. Again, thanks for listening in today. Take this information, try new things, and most important of all, get better every day. We'll see you back here next time. Come on. Come on.